Hey, Aaron, Welcome. you idiot. <laughs> Do you know that there's a space between Vander and Stoop in my list? Just forcing the issue. <laughs> I'm sorry. Welcome to the 135th episode of News Dump. I'm not going to edit that out. Where we run through <laughs> the hottest topics in the Lewis County news scene and discuss. I'm local man Aaron Van Tile, joined tonight by the Chronicle's chief editor, Eric Schwartz, and assistant editor, Isabel Vander Stoop. <laughs> Good, good pause. And we're joined in spirit by sponsors Summit Funding and The Roof Doctor. It is Monday, March 20th, and how's everybody doing? I'm sorry for calling you an idiot. I thought that you would just start over. I was just Don't trying apologize to make you, to him. you thought wrong. It's not the first time. We'll be the last. <laughs> I'm everybody, good. Everybody good? Isabel, you saw some horsies this weekend? I did. Lots of horses. Uh, there's Horsies. A, oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. We're using the technical term. Yes, yeah. I, I apologize. Uh, lots of horsies. And uh, yeah, it was great. The WF West girls, well, actually, it's just athletes, but there do happen to just be girls on the WF West team, but anybody can participate in equestrian stuff. But um, yeah, they competed at the Grace Harbor County Fairgrounds. I went on Saturday afternoon and on Sunday morning for dressage and for roping and other cow events on Sunday. I'm hoping to go again because it's a a ton of fun and they have so many different kinds of events. You can't really possibly cover it all in one weekend, but there are all sorts of different things that came out of it and lots of different Lewis County students. So if you want to read about it, it's in tomorrow's paper and online. All right, and Schwartz, you had an interesting weekend of watching basketball. Do you want to discuss the game you watched Friday night uh, in yeah, particular? What did, I, what did I watch on Friday night? It's a hard certain, to A certain championship, traffic. I believe? No, no, no. I mean, I watched a lot of basketball, mm-hmm. and then I watched, um, I believe it was an exhibition between two small Christian schools. I'm not sure. False. Uh, yeah, Albertson's College did win uh, the, the College of Idaho. 13 and over uh, AAU regional championship. Congratulations to our national champion College of Idaho men's basketball team. Wow. Yeah. You know, really taking a pride in name one player. Uh, there's one. A guy, named, guy named Jake on there. <laughs> That's his last name. Do Who's you, the coach? Do remember. you like them just because they're like a rival of Eric's? No, it's his, it's his own alma mater. I like oh, them I because know. I went to school there. I did not know that. He went yeah. to school at Albertson's College, I believe. It was just Albertson College. Oh, just Albertson College. Yes. Gotcha. College. Yes. So this is a new college. And Not necessarily. you are claiming it's basketball championship, but you don't. You know fewer New players college than I do. Attended by famous alumni Elgin Baylor. Oh my god! Oh, gosh. of course, of course, oh him. Congratulations, Aaron. Pioneer of the game. Where did, Where did you go to school, Eric? <laughs> Such a. Hard question. Eastern Washington University. Oh, mm-hmm. university. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not a not just college. Well, they were no. a college in the seventies. They also had a very <laughs> racist mascot, so I don't want to dig too deep here. All right. Um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I I would. I'm just invite either time. of you to share your most recent national championships with I, the table. Personally, I have none. Mm-hmm. And you? Actually, you mean my, from my alma yeah. mater? Yes. Women's rowing. Uh-huh. I went to Western, dog. I went to a cool uh-huh. school. The mm-hmm. student paper at Eastern won a national championship. Congratulations. Beat Rice and Wake Forest. Wow. It's a really sick team. Wow. But also, I, you. Western's Division Two, so it's not like the same kind of thing. Right. It's mm-hmm. not the same as NAIA. NAIA. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, hey, it about wraps it up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no news this week. Nothing dicey to discuss. Just <laughs> See celebrating. See y'all later. Uh, first news item, liquor license reapplication denied for Shahela's restaurant that flouted COVID closure orders. Laurel Kahn, the owner of Mackinac's and also Curio's Bar, which is kind of in the same spot, lost her liquor license during COVID when she somewhat loudly broke the rules. She recently applied to have it reinstated, and the Liquor and Cannabis Board denied her request. From the LCB's ruling, quote, the board will not normally issue a license to any person who has demonstrated a pattern of disregard for laws and rules. Issuance of the liquor license will not be in the best interest of the welfare, health, or safety of the people of the state. Uh, I'm not sure how related this is, but Laurel plans to run for governor in 2024 as a Republican because the independent party isn't there yet. Is there an independent party? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Depends okay. on level of government. I mean, I don't know, like how. It's also an informal designation are. for people that will vote yeah. both ways. So yeah, okay. Um. Anyway, like I, I don't want to like laugh at a local business going under because it's a nice option to have, and people obviously make a living there, and it, it like it hasn't gone under yet or anything like that. But sounds like it's gonna. Yeah, but also like I don't, like what did you did you think they were just gonna give your liquor license back? I think Laurel is not afraid to say that she did not think through that this might be the end consequence, especially because she was one of many in Lewis County who took like a stance against it. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying, and and like, she's not even really, uh, not what's the word culpable. Like she knows that this was like a choice that she made. But I think that like at the time it didn't really dawn on anyone that this might be where it ends up. I'm just glad, you know, uh, that I could sit in a tent outside of O'Blarney's watching a sports game through the window on the TV propped up against the window, crammed in next to other people. And I was safe. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whereas have I stepped into Laurel's business, I would have been (laughs) stricken with COVID placed on a ventilator. And uh, so I appreciate the state stepping in with a fair and even headed plan for restaurants (laughs) during this time. I mean, where do you draw the line at which rules can just be tossed away in the past and, I think we'll find out if there's ever another uh, if there's ever another pandemic. But Certainly seeing as not. that's like a once in a lifetime thing, it seems like I don't know that we will. Well, once in our lifetime I'm, so far. <laughs> I'm still very much against like normalizing that it's the state telling you what you can and cannot do as a business. Uh, I would have much appreciated like some guidance or like at least less heavy handed. Um, I never ran a restaurant and I continue to think that if I did, I would have a much different perspective on government, whether I was a Democrat or Republican, if mm-hmm. I had just been told you are not, you, you can't open, like you just can't. Well, and yeah. Laurel was not a conservative necessarily before this. Like I know that she's been like democratic in the past and, or yeah, she's definitely voted Democrat. Not I a know partisan. That. Yeah. Yeah. I, so it's not like. It's not like she necessarily, like, did this to say, like, oh, Inslee's the stupidest. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it was just about that. I think it was about, like, to her, she thought that she was keeping, like, a sense of normalcy. And then now she's probably not going to be able to run her business anymore. And she said something like, yeah, I really wish the people who were there then are here now, you know? 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have no further thoughts. No further thoughts? Yeah, not for the pot. I, do you want me to really go no, off on it? Like, Not really. You want to talk about what the state will and won't allow you to do? Why don't you go buy some crack cocaine at the store, sir? I mean, sir? that's a stretch, though. We're talking doing business versus illicit drugs. If that's your best example, then I think you need to think on it a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot more examples of As doing As the husband business. of someone in the restaurant industry, maybe I'm a bit biased as well. But I just think it's... I think that we've collectively lost how weird and unprecedented it was to have the governor come out every night and tell you what business can be open and what cannot and like make decisions from there somewhat arbitrarily as Isabel mentioned, they weren't the only one um, that was doing it. Maybe the loudest and you know, you end up on Brandy Cruz in the nightly news and the front page of the Chronicle. Then I think maybe the state does feel a little backed into a corner where if we let this one very public thing go, then we're going to start seeing a lot more of this. Um, but then when you see like, there's not a subsequent crackdown on others that are doing it quietly, then it's like hypocrisy to me. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I also like, she could have just gotten away with it if she wouldn't have been so loud and like, look at me, the rules don't matter. Yeah. I'm breaking the anyway. But also like, we're talking, we're not just talking about like not having rules that have applied to her or not having the fines or whatever. We're talking about a reapplication for a liquor license, like 15 months after the last offense. You know what I mean? It's like, also like, it's a liquor license, not a business license. Yeah, Nobody's but saying she's, you can't be in business doing She runs this. a bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like stopping the Chronicle from publishing news. I mean, you can still stay in business, just don't publish news. I, I'm not and saying... It's just like stopping the Chronicle from running the comics. I'm not trying to, like, defend... Dilbert, <laughs> you're bringing Dilbert into this? <laughs> I'm not trying to defend it one way or the other, but I do think it's, like, more severe than it actually necessarily needs to be for the public safety. I'll, I'll say that. Just imagining Aaron as a gymnast on the uneven bars, jumping from logic point to logic point <laughs> to <laughs> round out his presentation. Sure. Yes, I'm the fool here. No, no, you're not a fool. Um, I, I, it was declared at the opening of this podcast that, in fact, I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, Toledo talks of growth, M-dash of town and plants alike, M-dash at annual big meeting. Toledo had its big meeting, which I... And convinced it's a very cool thing. I like the big meeting. Big fan of the big meeting. Me too. Big meeting, big fan. We go every year. Toledo has a 97 house development coming in. Toledo also has a neighbor's program that hooks people up who are short on food with local veggies and other things. Food things. Uh, there's also a veggie program at the school. A lot of, lot of veggies in Toledo. A lot of growth. And also at the high school, the YWCA has been hosting a talk series on challenging social topics like gender and understanding LGBTQ+, anti-racism, body positivity, and having healthy relationships. And Toledo is going to have another big meeting to talk about the bond they're going to have to pass after God himself smites the building into ash. <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> anyway, how was the big meeting? <laughs> it was good. I, I just thought I was kind of... You know, everybody talks for like three minutes, maybe. And, and when I say everybody, I just mean the people who have decided they want to talk. And so I was sort of thinking, how am I supposed to write about this? But then I like had the word growth pop in my head and how a lot of these different stories had that as a common theme. They're like 
literally growing students at the school district. The students are growing plants. The plants are growing and the town is growing. You know what I mean? I thought it was kind Mm -hmm. of a fun, tried to like weave it together. And that was a way to cover a lot of different topics. Obviously it couldn't get it all in there, but it was, it was a nice, it's a nice thing that they do. And I was glad to be able to go. Normally Emily Fitzgerald would cover this as she's our South County reporter, but she is performing in Lend Me a Tenor at the Evergreen Playhouse, which if you haven't gone to see it, you really should because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's what I say to Schwartz when I'm short on cash at O'Blarney's. My take's going to be quite controversial. Um, I see 97 houses and I see 97 roofs. And I think that it would behoove us to let these future homeowners know where they should go when those roofs need servicing. That's a hot take, but I think you're right. Yeah. Should they maybe dial up 360-736-0246 and talk to our good friends at the Roof Doctor? Oh, I think they should. It's a family-owned roofing company since 1959. Roofing, roof repair, roof cleaning, emergency roofing. It gets, it's exciting every time. And as always, <laughs> uh, don't take our word for it because Ronald O. <laughs> says, five stars, we just hired the roof doctor in Olympia, Washington to remove our old roof and install a new roof. Exceptional professional work completed by all the workers. They arrived at 7.30 a.m. and the roof was completed by 4.30 p.m. One day service. If you want a roof done right the correct way, call the roof doctor. I mean, in all honesty, like, that's pretty impressive. They show up at 8.30, and I'm like, you know what? Your roof's done. And yeah. it's the end of the day. Like, business hours or clockwork. Just out. Reliable. Good. You love to see it. I'm looking at these reviews, and I don't see a single one that isn't five stars out of five. They're all five stars. Ronald, Ronald O., Lee, Stony B., Ken S., who can forget John Stony D. B. <laughs> of course, John. Autumn B., and Ken D., and Christine. Go on, Cindy S. Doug R. Oh, all right. <laughs> Five okay. stars all around. Big shout out to Mr. Keith Brent with his no pressure estimate and great communication skills. From uh, Lee. If you want to learn more, visit www.theroofdoctor.com. I'm glad we got that in. Yeah, you knocked it out early. Great work, Loosen guys. up now. Yeah. Uh, next item. Trained by previous owners, Shahela's couple to reopen Adna's Dirty Thumb Nursery. Uh, after running the nursery since 1989, founders Connie and Spencer Davis sold the spot to Jenna and Kyle Aslison of Shahela's in October. And you know what? This is capital G good. 10 out of 10. No notes. You know who told me about this story? Uh, was it me? Your mom. Oh. <laughs> and I'm not making a joke. Uh, it was Carmen. She got, she got yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Carmen told me about it. Need, it's so lovely. Okay, no, but really, like, this actually is such a lovely story. <laughs> and I know there were a lot of people who were sad when they saw um, the Davis couple selling Dirty Thumb just because it's such a nice, iconic business that people, people who go there, I'm sure, like, 90% of them are regulars and now the couple has retrained uh, or has started to train a younger version of themselves, sort of. And it sounds like it's going to be really great. Yeah, it is. Dirty Thumb's cool. Um, Certainly a popular plants. business online. Uh, Isabel's on the record is saying that the Dirty Thumb is the official start of Adna. I do believe that. And you know what? It's not even an, yeah. ad- it's yeah. not even an Adna address. No, it's Shahela's. Nothing is an ad There's address, no ad address. No, but they don't even, like, get, they can't even get, uh, she was telling me this, Jenna Azelton was, that they can't, like, get 
mail at the Adna post office, I don't think. Like, it's not even in the Adna, like, postal code area. Whereas for me, as soon as you travel west over the Chehalis River Bridge and you're back on solid soil from Chehalis, Adna. No, I think nope. it's like uh, <laughs> once you pass <laughs> Linton Alexander Linton Alexander Park is in the sh- the city of Chehalis Parks. Like that's a city park. And you turn off in Adna to get to it. And then the poplar <laughs> trees, that's also city of Chehalis. That's the old trees. Hamilton farm. Don't call that's why it I drive out to Adna trees. every again see those trees. Anyway. I'm just saying that I call, it's called the Poplar Tree Farm, like the city of Chehalis Poplar Farm. Mm-hmm. Where do you draw? Where is County New? He said Hillcrest. <laughs> okay, I got you. That's fair, I guess. Yeah, once I'm you not- see uh, whatever sign is hanging on the left past Hillcrest there, it's, you're an Adna, baby. I'm not completely against that because I do believe most of Twin Oaks Road and Frogner and Cousins are all Adna. Of course they are. But What else would they be? But... I think when you're on Highway 6, it doesn't start until you're in Dirty Thumb because that's the beginning of Twin Oaks anyways. So basically, you're not in Adna if you're going on to Twin Oaks from 603, but you're on it if you're going to it from 6. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, once you turn off 603 onto Twin Oaks, you're in Adna. I disagree. If you're on the highway, you're still in Chehalis. You take a right, Adna. Keep going straight for a mile, Napavine. What? Yep. <laughs> yeah, those are the rules. It no, seems people who to my live claim, so I'm I'm gonna accept that. People yeah. who live in the Newacom area call it that. It's called like Newacom Hill. Like people say, I live in the Chehalis in like the Newacom area. Nobody ah. says I live in Napavine if they live up oh. on six oh three. Like Devaris, like those people say they live in Chehalis. Mm-hmm. Ask them. Well, if you turn off of six oh three to the left, then you're in Chehalis. But if you're on six oh three then you're in Napavine. I don't make the rules. Uh, anyway. So you think the Nawakam Grange is in Napavine? I do, and I'm tired of pretending it's not. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Anyway. Incorporate, you cowards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next item. <laughs> City of Centralia annexes land that includes homeless camp. Development expected during Tuesday night's regular meeting. The Centralia City Council moved to annex a 109-acre plot of land along Reynolds Avenue. It kind of runs from like the overpass Blakesley Junction area down to the Skookumchuck River. It doesn't go all the way down to Pearl, though. Mm, I got the map here right in front of me. So I looked see. at the map and that was inconclusive. Are we going to have another argument? <laughs> no, it, this what was the, the question? The does it go to this one? Does it like go how, to, far, how far? What direction uh, is that? East? Where West yeah, Reynolds Yeah, no, no, no. Ends. It's like, it's like <laughs> That's not a real road. Less, than half, less than half the distance between the overpass and Pearl Street is included. I, I so like this side this of Danville Distributing? You. There you go. Using a visual medium. Oh, it goes deep. Yes. On all a right. podcast. And it does go all the way to the border of the, the Skookum Track River as well, to the okay. south. And then it's actually a little on the other side of the freeway as well, that property. Uh, oh, man, I can't remember what that road is. Reynolds? Yeah, but it's like at the corner where you come out of the outlets to take a right on Reynolds. Is that Belmont High Street? Uh, it's not High Street. No, it's, it starts with an L. We're exposing ourselves as fools. Earl? Earl's up a little further. <laughs> but there's a little Earl. chunk on the west side of the freeway that's yeah. included as well. Okay. Yeah, it's a big chunk of land. They're going to do some developing. Um, this area does cover the homeless encampment at the end of Eckerson, and they're working on it, question mark, as to what to do there. It, yes, that whole that whole topic seems to be a work in progress right now. But this was the second and final reading, so it is annexed. Um, 
Mija Hanlon said, at least in this story, is quoted as saying, like, oh, I can sort of off the record tell you that uh, Wazdat is working with us to figure out what to do there. But I'm, they've kind of, the county has openly said that for the last, like, little while now. So there, yeah. it seems as though they would really like to get that encampment out of there, but they haven't really figured out how to do that ethically or safely or legally or legally. So there's like a whole bunch of stuff. And I don't know if this, it, it does not appear that at the time this annexation will have any effect on that. It sounds like they're just going to be like, yeah, we'll enter into an interlocal agreement and then we'll be in the same place where we were. Seems yeah. like that, but I'm not sure. Okay. Am I the only one that thinks that when one of the cities annexes territory that there should be a procession led by the mayor with a flag of <laughs> that city that Absolutely. starts at City Hall and builds in number as you get there and then just aggressively slam your flag in? I like that. Who are they annexing it from? I don't know. <laughs> like nobody, it's uh, not like a currently occupied territory or from, anything. From... Uh, Lewis un- County, unincorporated Lewis County. Yes. Lewis County, I believe DOT owns some land in that easement as yeah. well. They actually just have the right of way. Okay. Uh, well, at least besides, I think if you count the freeway, they probably own the land. But the the reason there's Wasdot involved in the Blakesley Junction area is because it's like right next to the freeway, so it's in Wasdot's right of way. Mm-hmm. So like when you do things in Lewis County, even if they're in city property and you're like affecting county roads, you still need some of the county's like approval. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same thing. But the freeway you see is elevated. So do they have the airspace? Maybe. (laughs) They should. I don't actually know how that works. That's like really layers of bureaucracy that not even I know. I think flooding is interesting to people on this topic as well. Me being one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Chad Taylor, our fine owner, picked me up during the last flood, January 2022, and this was the only way to get back because Reynolds was closed, and water was flowing across this entire area, and there's a tunnel that goes under the Interstate 5 bridge that allows the water to eventually connect back with the Chehalis River. Um, But, I mean, I saw it with my own eyes less than two years ago that that flood water will come that way, and uh, Owen Sexton, who wrote the story up, addressed it a little bit um, as far as, like, they're going to have to elevate whatever they develop there. Also, they plan to have some retention ponds and things like that, but, like, latest evidence is flood water does flow right through this area. I would be against them elevating anything because if they elevate that, then the water is going to go downhill into the hardworking the taxpayers of Centralia's Wanch Prairie. So you, that's what I was driving at yeah. as well, sir. Uh, are you advocating for like a build down? If you're going to build in the floodplain, you got to go a foot down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to dig the whole thing out. You have to put yourself at higher risk. <laughs> you got to dig down and then build on stilts. That's the only fair way to do it. But they're not necessarily talking about building up as in like building the land up. They're talking about building buildings up. To get them well, yeah, out of the height that, of gotta, the high water mark. Yeah, but to do that, you've got to fill in. Yeah, there'll be fill dirt. Mm. There will be fill. Keep okay, the fill. Well, that seems, seems like a problem for you guys. Sounds like it's a problem for Centralia, which includes me. So, yes, it is a big problem. Aaron's like, build the dam. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically right around my house. Anyway. You guys pro-dam? <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm pro know. not flooding. I'm pro Pete's hole, man. I've said it time and again. <laughs> uh, next item. State Rep Jim Walsh testifies before Senate committee in favor of family burial bill as opposition voices concerns. This is Jim Walsh's, quote, bury your dead wherever the hell you want, Bill. <laughs> and I am on his side. I am too. I love this. Yeah. 
The bill takes into account issues about environmental setbacks and public rights of way. He also said the proposal limits the size of the burial plot to 10% or less of the total lot size. I say why limit it? Sounds like yet another instance of big government (laughs) telling me how much of my property I can stuff with the corpses of my loved ones or unloved ones. Anyway, an amendment was added to require people to report family burials on private property to the Department of Archaeology and Historic Preservation. No! Where I bury my dead family members is between me and God, and I'm not sure he's listening. Your thoughts? Yeah. I'm, I'm, if I can just get on my soapbox for a minute, we have more people in the world who have been dead than are alive today, right? By like a lot. And I don't know that the math checks out on that. There's a lot of people alive right now. Yeah, there's like eight. More being born every moment. Just look it up. I He's swear to you. He's just not willing to, you, to accept it right away. I swear to you, way more people have been dead than are alive. I, I can promise you that is true. So It's a moving target. Yeah, but it's it's only going. Let her get to her it's point. It's only going. You're up. stepping on her the, bits. The dead people is only going to be more all the, the dead time. Speak. The, 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 the alive can only be so much at a time. Okay, whatever. So, <laughs> and as like population booms, are we going to every single time somebody dies continue in America to dig a six foot hole? put cement around it, and then embalm people and put them in it. Like, it seems so unreasonably bad for the environment and cost-worthy, like, costly and insane. Well, or yeah, the other option, cement. The other, that's what they do. The <laughs> other option is cremation, which is just more emission. In my opinion, the most sustainable way to do it is exactly like this. You just throw them in the backyard. Composting, baby. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. Mm-hmm. We can become one with the earth in this way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm in. I'm down. One interesting thing I thought about this story, which Matthew Zilstra did, did a good job on. Uh, if you dig anywhere at a substantial scale in Washington, you've got to get the Department of Archaeology in on it. So do you feel like you'll keep your same stance on the issue if you have to dig up someone else's dead relative in order to put your own relative in? And I think that was the opposition, was that there wasn't oversight from the Department of Archaeology. So if you b- dig up some bones, <laughs> you're just like, I'm putting mine here, and it's like a Native American from like the 1800s, Aaron. I think this would find uh, your attention. It then would. I feel like, yeah, that might be a good idea to add an amendment where... Sure. Uh, yeah. If you're going to bury a relative, you need to have the Department of Archaeology out there to have a look. So that's when I jerk back the other way, and then you're just adding an entire new workload in bureaucracy. So I really don't know how I feel about the issue. There's <laughs> also the fact that, like, what when you sell your house, you're going to have to be like, oh, and also yeah. uh, Dave is back there, yeah. you know? So I do understand there's not – it's not like it's a simple, easy problem, but I do think the way we bury our dad right now is completely unsustainable, and we need to be thinking about that like we really need to be thinking about that we talk about growth and where people are going to live but we don't talk about where they're going to die i i'm just doing like a forrest gump thinking about it like digging digging a hole for your loved one without checking with department of archaeology and running into a dead body it's like graves taken can't dig (laughs) can't can't die here i mean there's always the bin laden method you know float them out to sea it's not like the uh well i like the viking method I've always Similar thought to it the would Bin be method. really cool if you guys just like put me up on a mountain and like vultures, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or just like on top of, uh, 
you know, like, I like the, Salisbury Hill, like the turkey vultures. <laughs> let them get in there. I like the imagery of a mountain, but if you do it in a different place, I won't know. I was thinking the other day, like a, a good outdoorsy story. What's the highest point in Lewis County? Oh, that's a good one. I probably Baffa Peak, though. Well, actually, I was thinking like East Lewis County, like mm. around like Shoe Lake area, like to get up there. It's I bet it's, I bet it's Baffa Peak, but maybe High Rock. I can check it out. I'll look into that. That's a good one. Yeah, good story. You're welcome. I think it would become a question of like boundaries because if there's a spot in the technical Lewis County map that is also in Mount Rainier National Park or well, that counts a monument. Yeah, just climb up there. Check it out. Find it. Check your little like. And I think it's probably in the east somewhere. Yeah. 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 Good question though. We should find that really out. Really good. And the lowest point as um, well. Yeah. Well, also, I, she's right here in this office. Your baby. soul. <laughs> also, um, the like cougar area. You know, has oh, a yeah, lot yeah. of big, a lot of big points. Like, what do they call yeah. it? Like Tumwater Peak or something? I'd have to look. Not familiar, but yeah, good. I would be interested in knowing. We can just find out on Google Earth, though. We don't have to like actually oh, climb. Yeah, yeah. No, climb. <laughs> do you want a story? Or do you want to be like? Well, I googled it, and here's some news. I mean, <laughs> that's how most of it goes, you know. Uh, do we want to discuss? Uh, just, just just to close that out, I Googled highest point in Lewis County, Washington, and it, it auto- Uncle re- Ando's it auto- World of Weed, new sponsor. It auto-returned Boisford Peak Bafa. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. We'd have to look at it, but that's at 3,113 feet. It's pretty high. Okay. Uh, next item. Under anti-racist group scrutiny, Ethel Woman says her husband was in the Ku Klux Klan. Additional comments? <laughs> Isn't Isabel's story? So let her unpack it. Um. Well, so you likely remember last week when we talked about the the store in downtown Centralia. Mm-hmm. Um. After that, this well, and it wasn't the first time they'd done so, but I um was looking at it now. You know, paying more attention because this is like something that we're seeing like right in front of our face faces and. The, um, there's this woman in Ethel who runs a business, uh, Sacred Spiral Sanctuary. She's a pagan, self-proclaimed. And um, according to the Southwest Washington anti-racism movement, like she has these ties to other groups. And so I reached out to her and she was like, yep, my husband was in the Ku Klux Klan. And I thought that was a really interesting, not something you hear every day kind of story. And so it's about that. And that's kind of the whole thing. All right. And it, it, uh, it kind of ties into the reporting you did in the previous week, right? Yeah. And which, that- which I think I'm still, I don't think that subject's necessarily over because, uh, apparently the, City councilors talked about it on Tuesday. Um, this is the business in downtown Centralia that has links right. to a white supremacist group. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's not my favorite subject to report on, I'll say that. Do, what do we know about Swarm? Do we know who is behind Swarm? I've never met any anybody involved in it. In so it's like a Facebook page? Uh, there's and- a Facebook page and an email, and I have uh, communicated with the group over email many times, especially for this subject. 
and that's what I know. So I, I have like said a spokesperson for the group or just like attributed the group specifically and asked like when I'm quoting or attributing like stuff to them, I've said like, is this an official statement on behalf of the group? And they're like, yeah, basically. So that's where I am with that. I don't think like the, I mean, I th I think it's valuable to have somebody talking about this in Lewis County, but I, I didn't think like the credibility one way or another of them made this interesting. I thought what's interesting was a woman sitting across from me and telling me her husband was in the KKK. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. It was a question I had, I think we discussed before I came in here today. Um, so maybe that's something people are asking and something we can answer. Yeah. But I also, oh. I also think it's really newsworthy. <clears throat> so like if an individual is identified as a white supremacist and that becomes a, like its own full narrative to the point of, you know, mild virality on social media, at some point it's good for the local newspaper, I think, to come in and ask. And I think I was as surprised as you, maybe as surprised as you, that she was willing to talk, she was willing to explain, yeah, um, and she was willing to do that. Um, and I will say, I mean, she denounced what they stand for, and, like, I mean, I don't, I, obviously actions speak louder than words, and who knows what she does in her life, but she very clearly was like, yeah, I do not agree with what the KKK stands for. So, you know, it's not like she's saying, oh, we think this is great. <laughs> but, no, no, no. And, yeah. and, and I think uh, us as individuals and the podcast, I could say we detest white supremacy and yeah. we reject it and everything like that. Denounce. Um, I'm, I'm not going to mix these two worlds, but I think sometimes people are confused that I wish they would all talk out loud, the white supremacists. I wish we could know who they all are and yeah. I wish you could trust what they were saying when they said it. Yeah. Um, I've shared before, um, my nephew, his father's black, uh, having a, a classmate from Forks approach me at a local bar here in town and say, hey, I know your nephew. It sure is a shame that he's half black. <gasps> no. Uh, no, no, I'm just saying, like, oh. I, I abhor it. I really, really do. But I, I, there's a part of me that wishes, if you're a white supremacist, that you just talk about it a lot and you'd come out and people would be able to identify you. We'd be able to write stories. And, yeah. Um, I shared with you guys that in Montana, I, the atmosphere up there, at least in 2010 when I was reporting, the local white supremacists held like monthly gatherings at the public library and no one really batted an eye. It was just like, that's <laughs> wow. just what they yeah. do. They meet there once a week and it becomes like normalized. That's not what I want. Yeah. But, um, nothing bothers me at all when you have the mayor go into a business and say, um, have a conversation like they did in downtown and identify that this person's ideology doesn't mesh well with a town founded by a black man yeah. um, and yeah. freed slave. Um, and it doesn't bother me at all uh, when a group, anonymous or not, um, presents information and in the local newspaper goes out and confirms it um, and gets an interview. Like, I think that's actually good and healthy and it's better than just letting it fester. I think it's definitely better than ending up <laughs> with them gathering all at the library. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a really wild thing. Like I said, it is not something I have enjoyed reporting on. But I do think there's a, a sense of 
duty that when these conversations come up, the the paper can play a role. And uh, and another thing that I meant to mention about this was the Chronicle had like a feature story on her in 2019 that did not mention any of this stuff. So I thought it was like necessary at the very least that we say like, oh, by the way. <laughs> right. You know? And it was your idea too to go back and incorporate this story somehow into that past coverage. Yeah. Um, and we will do that. All right, and on that note, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Jacek from Summit Funding. Here's what a recent client is saying about us. Hi, this is Chad Taylor. Have you been thinking about purchasing or refinancing your current home? The team at Summit Funding is the best in class. Looking for a conventional FHA, VA, USDA, jumbo, or even a reverse mortgage? Trust the team at Summit Funding. Corley and I did, and we couldn't be happier. Thank you to all of our past clients. If you have any questions, give us a call at 360-330-4037. All right, we're back. It's time for segments. And first up is Tales from the Takes page. And someone forgot to enter this section into the notes. Any any takers to oh, I'll get us in? I'll get us started with something that's going to be in the Tuesday edition. Uh, it's a Julie McDonald commentary. The headline is Speakers Talk Trash and Recycling Do's and Don'ts. I'm not only bringing it up because we finally got some stats here on how many tires are moving their way through Lewis County each year. Go on. Uh, the recycling program uh, last year collected 888 refrigerators and freezers, 1,500 non-refrigerated appliances such as washers, dryers, and hot water tanks, and 240 pure Colombian cut tons of tires. How many of those tons of tires came from our dear, sweet, beloved, adored, beautiful tire pile? I don't know. I just know 240 tons of tires is a lot of tires. At least 120 tons had to come from our phenomenal, magnanimous, admired tire pile. (laughs) Hang on. I'm looking. But Our sexy <laughs> In all seriousness, pile. it was a good column by Julie. She sat in on a Lewis County Recycling Program solid slash solid waste type thing, and they were talking about how last year Lewis County had more trash than ever before, a total of a 101,060 tons of garbage, which is the equivalent of more than 200 Boeing 747s. And three news dumps. <laughs> According to previous reporting... The tire amnesty event in Centralia collected around 100 tons of tires. Wow. Not wow. even half. Not even half. We got to bump those numbers up, baby. Once we fill the Pearl Street pool with tires, we'll be on the right track. I think they had two tire piles in Morton, and then they had a tire pile in PL. That was just rumored. And- never confirmed. <laughs> never got a picture. That's true. Okay. Well, I don't think we have pictures from, like, any of these, but and my point is, I bet it's easier for someone in Centralia to get rid of their tires more often than it is for people in PL or Morton. Well, not Morton, because they have the other transfer station. But in, like, rural areas, I bet it's a little bit harder. So you save up your tires, and then you get rid of them all together, and I bet there's a little bit more tonnage. I Some of us grew up in rural areas, and we know so that I. if you have a lot of tires, <laughs> a, a, a rural area... And if you have a lot of tires, you either like, you know, you like cover your your silage and whatnot out back of your farm and hold the tarps down with tires, or you just do the the old fashioned way. Just go out and burn them. You don't actually know where I live, do you? I, I, not as rural as you might think it is. (laughs) 
Anyways, the 2023 budget is based on collecting 92,000 tons of garbage. So seeing as we got rid of 101,000 last year, that you could see how that's a problem. So it, the column is actually quite helpful. It's kind of a how-to on what you should be recycling and what you aren't. There was like some interesting stuff in there. You can recycle aluminum, right? But if you stomp it and you flatten it out, mm-hmm. when it gets to the recycling center, it goes through these grates. It just drops through and it automatically goes in the garbage uh, with anything else that size. So you shouldn't be squashing them. You I didn't know that. Away. Yeah, there's lots of little tidbits like that in here that you wouldn't think about very specific to Lewis County's garbage processing. And I, I thought it was a great column. Like always, Julie's columns don't fit like opinion usually. She usually attends something, tells you a little history. Um, but this is a, it's a hot column about garbage. That's all I'm saying. All right. Nice hot trash column from Julie. In the paper tomorrow. Great work. (laughs) Uh, There was an editorial, Passage of Centrea School Levy, Critical to Success of Our Students, which uh, got some attention online. I obviously agree. Great column. And then the Braun commentary this week was on the carbon tax and how it might cost you more for gas. Um, Early indicators are that probably is going to be the case. Uh, Supporters even say probably, but not that much. Um... And then just a random column that got sent to me by a lawmaker, which is state lawmakers must address security risks posed by Chinese Communist Party. And this one, I'm not going to lie. I needed a commentary for that space, and it was sent to me. So I was like, it's interesting. We'll run it. Uh, That's from Matt Boinke Kennewick. Yes, that is correct. Boinke. Great name. Mm -hmm. There's lots of other stuff in there, too. Boinke. Take a look. Bill Mueller's column was really good this week, too. He wrote about someone that I hadn't heard about that was very successful looks like impactful uh, music teacher, Kenneth Kimball over at Centralia College. I'm sure a lot of people older than me would know who it is, but really well-known and renowned Centralia College uh, personnel that I had not heard about. Yet another well-known and renowned Centralian. Well, I don't know if he's Centralian. If he's like a lot of Centralia College staff, he probably lives a little farther north. You know what? <laughs> or a Eric, little further I'm west. I'm trying <laughs> to talk about how good Centralia is. Oh, oh, you have to try? Just comes mm. naturally to me. Mm. Yeah, some of us lived it. It's always making me, <laughs> always making it my fault. You know, I just like try to be positive. guy over here. Some of us lived it. Hey, hey, <laughs> two, two proud Centralia College graduates watch. here. <laughs> That's true. At least I graduated. I did. I'm not I, sure I, about you. I, I, I attended Centralia College. Yes. Not, you want to throw I, a briefly on the end there? I'm with Isabel on that. All right. Uh, People's Champion of the Week. The only entry says women, question mark. <laughs> Click the link. I'm not going to. Uh, the only one that I could like, wait, did you just delete? Oh, wait, no. Sorry. No, no, you're, I just clicked on it. Sorry. Did I'm, you just delete women? I thought you were going to delete women. What is this, Florida? Cancel. Uh, women uplift women at Lewis County Economic Alliance Seminars. Oh, yeah. So Tell me more. We had um, local speakers, including Mayor Kelly Smith-Johnson, Dolly Tardiff from the Economic Alliance, uh, Coralie Taylor from the Silver Agency and the Chronicle, Amanda Singleton with Rainier Connect, Samantha Magnuson of Lewis County Coffee, and Susie Swope of the Girl Gone Green blog. And then a special appearance from uh, Skamania County-based Congresswoman Marie Glusenkamp-Perez. And I heard people really enjoyed this event. I think it was like the first of one thing they hope to make annual and... Yeah, they just talked about like being women in business. So I just thought because it is Women's History Month, we could make women 
the people's champion of the week. I think that's already Women's History Month again. I feel like it was just Women's History Month. Listen, you're literally you're doing a bit right. I thought another good one. (laughs) Another good one would have been Maddie Casper. You wrote about. Oh yeah, yeah. Fifteen. She graduated at fifteen from both WF West and Centurion College, and now she's trying to get. The law changed, so if you are, you know, exceptional and you work hard and you graduate from college at the age of 15, maybe you can still play with your soccer team Mm -hmm. um, at the high school, which seems extremely reasonable because being a college graduate does not make you any better at soccer unless your degree is in soccer. Yeah, I didn't go into a ton of (laughs) detail. take. (laughs) True. (laughs) I didn't go into a ton of detail in it, but in an email, and I don't think she would mind me sharing any because she said, like, this was we could publish it, but she was saying like, you know, she graduated at 15. Obviously she's not fully developed. She can't just like go to a university and play. And so then she was just like stuck in this weird in between place. And at the time she thought she might like go on and play college soccer, but now she's had like two years off of competitive soccer. And so she's just not playing anymore. So it, it really like dashed her dreams. And I, I mean, that's a huge bummer, obviously, especially just because she graduated early, like, Oh, how horrible, you know. So she was trying to advocate for other students like her in the future. It seemed like every lawmaker she talked to was like, that's a good idea. Yeah. So hopefully it happens. Lots of good ideas don't pass for a session or four or five. Mm-hmm. So This is true. We'll see. Uh, my last nominee is Ocean Prime in Chehalis, which opened today. You can find some delightful oh, photos it. from Jared Wenzelberger. Uh, ran over there for their breakfast time ribbon cutting, um, and they're going to be serving up lots of stuff. Ribeye, tomahawk steaks, king salmon, ribs, mm. soups, sandwiches, mm. pasta, salads. Did, did Crawler dine? Uh, he took pictures of some food that looked really good, um, but no, I don't believe he dined. Do you want to describe the food? Uh, food you is just said a lot of the different <laughs> things like they're gonna breakfast s- food here. It looks like a Benedict of some sort, but some sort of twist I, on I it. I can report it. Looks you guys have up. had way too many like screen looking at things for a podcast. It today. really just says Isabel. Well, maybe sucks. not enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a crawler picture. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, but people are excited. I'd say that's like consistently <clears> the last. Three months or so, if you mention Ocean Prime, people are going to read it. Oh, They're yeah. super happy oh, about it. Oh, and the um, Dirty Thumb, previous owners, that would be a good one. All right, now we got to pick. Spencer and Connie, yeah, they get my vote. I go with the women. Oh, man, I'm torn. All right. I'll go with women. You voted down, Aaron. Fine. But only... Aaron's the reason we have the month. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I think that um, Connie and Spencer... Spencer Deserve a second place in my book. Just yeah, they're great. Yeah, really lovely people. Sirens banger of the week. I've only got one. Oh, wait, before we go on to that one, we mm-hmm. have to talk about the villain of the week. Oh yeah, thank oh, you. We have a villain. U.S. Postal Service is our <laughs> villain of the week. Not your traditional villain. Nefarious uh, pseudo government operation. Oh my gosh, <laughs> didn't deliver the Saturday edition of the Chronicle to a broad swath of our readership. Um, there was some sort of snafu in which the paper was delivered to the wrong postal service station, who then sent it back. I believe they uh, called those offices. And then it made it back in time for today's, tomorrow's edition to go out. Uh, so I don't exactly sure where that ended up. I'm not talking, of course, about anyone who works for the U.S. Postal Service locally or has family that works in other offices or the local offices <laughs> at all. I'm talking the, about big post office here. Louis DeJoy directly? <laughs> big post office really okay. screwed the pooch on this one. 
uh, it's an it's an honest mistake, and maybe somebody got a, a an edition of the Chronicle that they didn't sign up for for yeah, out of it. I got my paper. Yeah. All right, Sirens Banger of the Week. Uh, this one, you know what? I thought it was uh, a little wild. A woman reportedly left her two kids in her vehicle when she went into a store on Louisiana Avenue on Wednesday. Probably Walmart, but who's to say? The woman drove off with the children when the reporting party confronted her. Uh, worth noting, the high in Chehalis on Wednesday was 50 degrees. They weren't exactly burning alive. We don't know how old the why kids would were you either. Call, why would you call the police on I this? Don't I'm know. so confused. What did this nosy Nancy think was going to happen? The lady was going to sit there with her kids in the car and listen to a lecture about child safety until police showed up? Leave people the hell alone. Let police solve some like real crimes. I'm not willing to say that unless the kids are older. Like, I mean, if I, we get reports sometimes of you know toddlers being left alone in cars, I don't think mm-hmm. that's okay on any day at any time. That's yeah, fine. No, it's not. Leave it's, them in there. No, I know you're being sarcastic. But no, let them like fend for themselves for five minutes in a car seat. For God's sakes! Oh my gosh, that's, helicopter. That's such a poor take. But you no. don't know, like. You also have no idea how long she was going in there. We don't know much. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe she literally was like, okay, you guys stay buckled in here, and I'm going in, I have to grab this thing, and then ran back out. You know what I mean? Like, if she was in there for five minutes, who cares if she left the kids in the car? I'm I'm just saying. I need to know some variables. context, exactly. Were the keys in the ignition? There's another thing, because you read every week, it seems, about someone stealing a vehicle with kids inside. Like, it just happens a lot in the stolen car era of Washington. Which we are well, squarely. We know it never happened to you because you would go to the drive-through and then sit in the parking lot and eat your food with your children in the back seat. That's a, an attempted burn. Well, not giving you them missed. anything. <laughs> uh, there's one place I do with my kids. My kids are six and eight at the Pearl Street Market by my house. I can see them the entire time I'm inside, mm-hmm. so I lock the door, take the keys. I'm going to uh, follow you until you do that again. Steal my I'm gonna, kids. I'm going to call <laughs> yeah. the police. That's another like, thing. This loser. That's another thing. You're getting gas. Your kids are in the car. You got to go inside and pay for the gas. You're going to take your kids out of the car to do that? No way. Again, go inside. it all depends on the age. 1975? Have you ever heard of cash? I pay cash, Aaron. No. I don't trust the banks these days, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Lost a ton to silicone, let me tell you. <laughs> sure. Anyway, I leave people the hell alone. I agree. Like, I... I, I can only imagine this woman's like called the police too. Like there was a woman and she went into a store and her kids were in the car. Oh my God. Are the kids still there? No, she drove off. Well, excuse me. Like, it's what, just such what, a Karen. What happened? It's so, a Karen. Uh, you know just it. Just for the sake of argument, Aaron, what would you say to the person that pulled up on Mackinac's and called the police and were like, someone just had a glass of wine in here? I would say leave people the hell alone. Let the authorities deal with it. And then the authorities show up and they're like, okay, we're, we're dealing with uh, it. Just uh, Nice try. Just jump those uneven bars. I went into Safeway once when Ty was like 10. And I was like, you know what? He's reading a book. He's fine in the backseat. Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah, maybe he was like maybe he was like nine. Are we talking a little, like, little younger than that? So four. And I came out and there was like a cop <laughs> next to the car. And I was like, what, is there a problem? He's like, well, there's an unattended child in your car. And I was like, he looks fine. He's you should have just, just gasped and been like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> whose child is this? <laughs> Anyway, that cop was like, yeah, unless they're over the age of 12, you can't leave them in the backseat of a car, like in a car alone. I was like, 12? Really? Mm-hmm. I was practically driving You can't leave age. a kid alone in a house unless they're like 11, I think. I would never. <laughs> when I was a kid. Let people deal with their own kids, for God's sakes. When I was a kid, my sister used to like throw me outside when it was really cold and then lock all the doors and windows and yell, Tana Ika. <laughs> 
which is like a Native American like coming of age ritual. Sounds like appropriation. <laughs> yeah, your sister sounds up. like my sister. Yeah, she was. She loved to be, you know, like a jerk to me, but it was also funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, she listens our, to this. So. That was our sirens bang of the week. Your sister <laughs> sounds hilarious. Uh, are you guys ready for Facebook comments of the week? A little light this week. Good. Good. Uh, on a new teeth whitening clinic opening in Chehalis, this commenter says, I like this photo because it makes it look like she just whitened that baby's teeth. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she was holding her baby. Yeah, yeah that's, that makes sense. Uh, on Mackinac's not getting its liquor license back, this commenter says, I see a lot of folks who feel this is unfair. If those same folks would have continued to dine at her place or even eaten there ever... She would have had a thriving business without alcohol sales. That's probably true. Yeah, like I said, she was saying, I wish those people were still here who were here during the lockdown stuff. But at the same time, like I said, she recognizes very much that alcohol was a big part of her business. And so it's not like, yeah, anyways, we talked about it. But Uh, On a man telling a homeowner, this is my house, and barricading himself inside with his partner and a dog... One commenter says, did he pee on it first? And another commenter, a friend of Sports Dump, Chad Kramer, says, uh, okay, mortgage due in a week, and that power bill is way past due, so you might want to get that paid. And I didn't do anything off that list my wife left for me, so good luck with that when she gets home. I'll be outside in your tent. That was a wild Dude. story. It was an Oregonian story. And the woman was like, her husband had gotten home and just sees a guy walking up to her house with a ladder and like goes outside and is like, sir, can I help you? And he was positioning it towards an open window on the second floor. And he was just, yeah, this is my house. Like, and they had like some pictures of him standing in the house looking kind of menacing. <laughs> and it took a while to like fix it. This guy just showed up and tried to squat. I'm glad they got him out. Yeah. Uh, on the old Bremerton football coach getting his job back and a $2 million payout from the school, this commenter says, what a good Christian. I can see asking to be made whole on lost wages, but this just takes away from the kids. I'm going to stand on my soapbox here for a second. This We've is been a, doing that first today. Of all, first of all, the annual salary for an assistant football coach is three dollars $4,000, not $2 million. Second of all, he was praying, I have read from the years 2008 to 2015, Bremerton's record during those years was 31 and 48. They had one winning season. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should have prayed harder. Like, nobody has stopped Some folks say that about Elisha. Nobody. Only a few of you are going to get that. Are you talking about the... (laughs) Not all prophets did not suffer, Aaron. Sometimes that's your path. I, he wasn't a good coach. <laughs> Nobody stopped to ask, like, was this guy good at coaching football? It doesn't look like it. Yeah, but that his not being a good football coach is not why he was placed on leave. He was not fired, though. Like, the Seattle Times even had to go back and write a correction. He wasn't fired. He was placed on no. leave, and then it went into, like, an indefinite status. Also, the biggest thing in football any coach will tell you is do your job, do what your coach tells you. This guy's coach, the school board, was like, hey, like, stop praying. Like, it opens us up to law schools and shit. Yeah, I I actually understand the stance of both sides on this. In my high school, I've shared before, Terry Jensen, the coach at Montesano, did the Lord's Prayer before every game. You went to Montesano? Uh, Forks. Oh. Back when he was less successful. (laughs) Uh, He did it before every game, and it never became an issue. I'm not saying that means it should not be an issue. If someone decides that they're offended by it, they have a right to take it forward in the processes 
long as they can, but I do know that this happens on high school football fields all around the country all the time. This is a story that has preceded me by a lot. I haven't really, like, followed it, and it's not super in my realm of what I read about, so I have a question, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, did he, like, say to the kids, like, hey, I'm going to pray now. You guys want to hang out? You can do that. It wasn't compulsory. That was kind of what ended up being his right. saving grace. Okay. Yeah. So, so that, like, seems sort of fine, I guess, if you're like, hey, I'm going to go pray, and if you want to join me, you can. But also, if it, like, if he had to make the kids leave to do it, you know what I mean? I feel like that's kind of where I would draw the line. I think that's how it got argued in court, too. And I think the Supreme Court found that it was the conservative Supreme Court found that it wasn't sort of fine. It was totally fine. And that's that's where we're at. I always also like to note that the like viral photo that went with this when this eventually like initially became a story. Um, there was probably half the Centralia high school football team because they were playing that team. Yeah. wrapped around the prayer circle there that it were there as well. It is a crawler photo. No, it is not a crawler photo. It? it is an Associated Press photo, yeah. Oh, right. True. <laughs> uh, Kitsap Sun, I believe, contributed to the press. But yeah, no, I, I'm i not trying to stand on both sides of the fence. I definitely understand it. We had a good letter ex- exchange between uh, ooh, Marty Ainsley and Ray Anderson, two East County sluggers when it comes to letters oh, yeah. to the editor. Um, and Marty's most recent letter was basically like, what prayer is okay? So if, uh, for instance, he didn't make this direct argument, but if the Bremerton football coach had you know, gone out there and like, we're going to pray to Allah now, would there not have been some Christian families that were like, I don't, well, I got a problem with that. You know there would yeah. be, like you know. So there's no like finality to the debate in my mind, aside from a Supreme Court ruling, but um, yeah. Interesting discussion. Five point stands. Not a good coach. (laughs) (laughs) If he was that good, he'd been there seven years, he would have been a head coach somewhere. He was old. He is old. Assistant coach, though, right? Yeah. He was an assistant coach. This wasn't his profession. Yeah. I know a lot of assistant coaches, and believe me, they do not pay their rent with their assistant coaching stipend. Yeah, two million's a lot. I agree. Yeah. Don't. It's more than he would have made in 10 lifetimes of coaching assistant football. Assistant coaching football. Anyway. His congregation of choice likely garnered 10% of that $2 million, if it makes any difference to you, Aaron. Is his congregation of choice the lawyers who garnered <laughs> well, I got, I'm sure they got more than 10%. million of that <laughs> I'm $2 million? Sure. I'm sure. Uh, anyway. Don't do the next one. I, you don't want the next one? Yeah. Yeah, no. We don't need that. We'll just leave that one on the cutting room floor. I, there, there was a bonk involved. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll never discuss it. What? <laughs> just commenters just continue to be horny on Maine. You just want to say those history that. photos. I do love saying that. Uh, anyway, what's in the next edition? Uh, um, like or, I said, or in tomorrow's edition, if you didn't get you know, Saturday's if you didn't papers. get Saturdays for a limited time, there's a there's a pile available here. I think all you got to do is come down here and say you didn't get your paper, and they'll give you a Saturday edition. Um, it's also all at cronline.com. Um, I haven't done it yet, but I will. I'll go down and take that E edition out from behind the paywall so that everybody can flip through and look at that. Um, but what else do we have? We have, there was a building fire in Alaska on Friday night and we got a really striking set of photos from a follower. I think, I don't know for sure if she follows, but Selena Storm took a really nice photo of it. No one was hurt, thankfully, but a building and a bunch of equipment was, Ruined. We also have uh, break-ins occur nightly as Centralia OYO residents consider settlement with owner. Oh, yeah. The Owen wrote a nice story on that one. I mean, not nice, but it's it's well update. done. Yeah. You stayed on the top of that story. 
Um, sounds like there we it's a there's a non-disclosure agreement, so we don't know what the settlement is that the new owner of the building's offering, but it um, it possibly would give them an extended period of time in another hotel nearby. Um, people that have lived there a long time, in some cases more than like three years. Um, and then we had a log truck procession out in Onalaska as well, uh, kind of honoring the life of Robert Perkins uh, before his memorial service. And Robert Perkins died in a workplace accident in the Grand Mound, North Centralia area. Um, I don't know, there's it's a good paper. There's a lot more. Aaron turned me on to a uh, Willapa Bay story that was really good from the Seattle Times. Oh, That's it in there was as well. really good. Crossing mm-hmm. the perilous Willapa Bay bar. Holds a steep cost. You know the poem, Crossing the Bar, Alfred Lord Tennyson? Yes. Of course. It's. I got it tattooed on my rib cage. You're not. You're You're saying you do <laughs> know it. I am aware of it. Okay. I, like, I couldn't stop thinking about that poem and just sort of, like, literally how this guy lost his grandson on the bar and, like, the death and everything. Like, that story nearly made me cry. I just thought it was so powerful. Like... And very interesting and local. And yeah, definitely read that one. Who wrote that one too? It was Hal Burner, I think. I'm mixing two people up. Hal Burton uh, always does great work. And he does a lot of stuff out in like Pacific County, Grace Harbor County. Some of his big long features are out there. Yeah. Um, he's really good. And I only mentioned that because we picked up one of his stories once and I got a direct call from him and got to talk to him. And the only other familiarity I had with Hal Burton was him carrying like 12 SPJs out of an award ceremony <laughs> and, like, and having to get help get up the hill Heck in yeah. Seattle. Uh, and he was calling because he had a minor change. He was like, I see you picked up the story. I got a minor change in the third graph. I'm going to need you to fix that right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he was going around the internet trying wow. to get his story corrected to perfection. I respected good that. Good for him. Yeah, it was a good story. I enjoyed it and I was thrilled to learn that you were, of course, running it. I never doubted you. It was already on the page. I, n- I never doubted you. It almost got pulled off the page because of your recommendation. I'm sure you had to rush to lay out that page and send me the picture immediately <laughs> it afterwards. Was, it was halfway through being built, I'll admit that. Honestly, I am trying to remember what was in Saturday's paper, but I can't for some reason. I can like only think one at a time now. Oh, yeah, you just you do it and then you move on. But I do remember picking up the proof of the front and saying newsy woozy. Yeah, so we I, had, it was a good addition, uh, I think. We had the annexation story on the front. We oh, had yeah. Laurel on the front. Oh yeah, okay. And then we had the three robbery suspects arrested out in Grand Mound from the oh. Crescent convenience store. Oh, um, right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, no, I remember all that now. I was lamenting to Aaron. It was a heck of a paper for that to happen to. We also had all area basketball in there. We had a yeah. few, couple new police officers. Are you dirty thumb. basketball? Right. That thing was that Saturday paper uh, at the expense of the Tuesday paper. Perhaps was just loaded. If you missed it, the Tuesday was all right Julie for Tuesday. Good. Oh, it was great for a Tuesday. It was a great period. I thought it was a good edition. Um, You're gonna want to buy it. But yeah, go go check out the edition that we should. Maybe we could post a link to the Facebook or something like that with a, yeah. sorry, whoopsies, with a whoopsies, you know? Signed, U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. Big sorry. Postal Service, not our locals who we love. Yes. Uh, if you missed it in Saturday's paper, WFS Julia Dalen was named the All-Area Girls MVP. Now you know. True. She had a great season. She's very good. Very tall. And also has two more years left. Is that right? She is a sophomore, I believe. So yeah. she's just going to win this award for the next three years, eh, probably. You know, things have things have happened. Has anyone ever won All Area MVP for consecutive years, in your knowledge, as a former sports mm, editor? No, 
I think they probably try to make sure that doesn't you happen. Tr- probably try not to do freshman, right? Freshman, very... Uh, Robert Pell won it three years in a row. I don't think he won it as a freshman. I can't remember, though, because he... My first year, he was a sophomore, and he got it, it that year and the next two because, you know, he was really good at hitting and pitching and almost never struck out. That'll, that'll do it. That'll yeah. do it. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, in closing... We're sponsored by Summit Funding and also The Roof Doctor. Leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts if you want. It makes some difference to me. Thank you for listening.